Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffy the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on the Twitters. I'm Big Kurt on the Twitters at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. It's 22. It's 2022. Yeah. Um, hasn't been the greatest start for me thus far. Hoping things pick up uh, soon. Actually, I guess it hasn't been the greatest start for me because Amador did some damage to me on New Year's. Wow. But that's the kind of thanks I get for consuming your product, Amador. Yikes! It's a it's a fantastic product. It's not a magical product where you drink it and don't don't have hangovers. If you there should be a warning, but there should be a warning. Don't drink the whole bottle. That's what they should say. <laughs> Did you? Nice work. I mean, it was it was right around there. And you had some uh, from from what I can tell, you had a couple buddies over, but not enough where drinking a whole bottle. No, it wasn't spread out much. I guess is what I'm saying. Oh um, no! It was spread. It was it spread was. out because I started drinking for the start of the the first game, the gotcha. Alabama Cincinnati and Cincinnati game. game. Yeah. So my my direct manager is a Bearcats fan. Okay. So I kind of you know floated it that I may not be working too hard in the afternoon. He goes, Oh, I'm not be working at all. Are you Good. kidding me? I'm going to be drinking by the time that game starts. So Perfect. I'm like, so will I then? He was probably drinking after the game was over as well uh, for that one. Yeah. Cincinnati they they played fine. I thought they, they showed played out fine. I just they they couldn't they just did, couldn't get anything going offensively. No. They just didn't have enough firepower to stand up against Alabama's defense. Under, I mean, defensively they played well. Under hit, do you remember? Do you remember your podcast partner throwing that little tip out to you our did. listeners? So that one hit. Um, yeah, as far as the New Year's Eve festivities for me, uh, the uh, oldest son, the oldest Greek. Uh, kindergartner, so we had some new kindergartner friends over and their parents, so we cooked for them and entertained for them. I think we picked up at least one, if not two more, All right. two new podcast listeners. Um, the thought process, um, it, it's not an Iowa game, right? Um, but obviously I wanted to watch the game. So I was mostly cooking and cleaning during the Alabama-Cincinnati game. Definitely got a taste of that game just by doing that. Then, then people arrived not... You know, right before the Michigan uh, game started, uh, one of the guys that came over, coincidentally, Iowa fan. Mm. The other guy, kind of a quasi Big Ten fan. Okay. Uh, uh, but all of us there were rooting for Michigan sure. to win the game, even though there was no Michigan fans. Um, I, I was keeping an eye on the TV very much, and I think pretty much the story of that game. There was you didn't need to watch every second of the game to get a taste of it. I guess is what I'm saying. No, I mean that one. That one was over fairly quick. Yeah, we'll obviously break that down. Um, the uh, there was uh, uh, five boys, six years age or younger, in the house. Okay, they were more entertaining than the football was that night. So the kudos to the boys. They were hilarious. I mean, you get five excitable boys that that can just they had full rain down here in the downstairs athletic club that we turned into a play. They, they took full, uh, you know, they, they, they got their money's worth out of the downstairs athletic club. It was pretty funny to see, but anyways, good times, met some new friends, but then woke up the next day. Um, the youngest Greek, uh, somehow always gets a hold of mom's phone, not mine. Always gets uh-huh. a hold of Mrs. Greek's phone called the Hennepin County police department. I think like an emergency call. I don't know. Okay. So we had the cops show up at the house. Nice. Two years after, or two hours after that, Iowa's bowl game starts. 
that loses. And I was also nursing a burn on my finger. Oh, that's pretty nasty. From the night before. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that was killing me. It's feeling a yeah. little bit better today. So we're hoping things. Oh, and then it's just witch's tit cold. Oh, my Lord. Colder even today on the second than it was yesterday at New Year's Day. Minus 20 when I took the pooch out first thing this morning. Well, you still got him out, though. Oh, yeah. Good for you. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah. All right. So we're going to do all 10 bowl games. So first game up was on Tuesday, December 28th, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Minnesota 18, West Virginia 6. The Gophers with 358 yards of total offense to the Mountaineers, 206. Yeah, so maybe not necessarily the prettiest game for a lot of people to watch, but i tell you what was pretty in this game for the Gophers. The Joe Rossi defense, first of all. Yes, sir. It's just, it's strangulating. Uh, I would love if you could hook, uh, hook up... Mountaineers quarterback Jarrett Dagey up to some some sodium pentothal and ask him, was that the most physical game you've ever played in your life? Because homeboy got the shit kicked out of him. I'm sorry. Don't, don't mean to swear, but dude, he had to been sore. Okay. Another thing that was kind of pretty. You know, you know, this is one of my things. If you have not one, but two running backs that go over 100 yards. And we had that from Kai Thomas and from Marquise Irving in this game. So to me, even though it's 18-6, to six, it's a dominating win. It It is 18-6. There was no doubt that Minnesota was the better team even with that score. In my opinion, they were even more dominating than just the 12-point victory. They were like a three or maybe even four touchdown better than, than West Virginia. They just kept having uh, drives stall out. So that was why they didn't get as many points on the board. Uh, Tanner Morgan was, I don't want to say, he was kind of Tanner Morgan-esque, right? 8 of 13, 109 yards, no touchdown and a pick, but it didn't matter. I mean, Kai Thomas, 21 carries, 144 yards, a touchdown. That's a 6.9-yard average. Bucky Irvin, 19 carries, 129 yards. That's a 6.8-yard uh, average. And how about oh. big boy, Daniel Falele, one carry, two yards, one touchdown, how fun was that? It's a bowl game. That's when you do stuff like that. Absolute blast. Falele big. <laughs> Dude, that was pretty awesome. We had the, uh, there was a couple games that had the uh, announcer bingo, you know, and this was sure. one of them. They obviously were going to talk about how big Minnesota's offensive line compared to the Minnesota Vikings oh. offensive line. So we got that one down. Uh, we got the Daniel Falele, how big he is, and then obvi- obviously people went nuts when well, he scored the touchdown. it should have been an over-under on how many mentions for Falele, because all I can think of is, remember that when Phil Hartman did the the Frankenstein, he just, arr, arr. like when they just start talking, I just go, Falele big. It's just enough already. We know he's a big guy. Yeah, and we, got a we couple, get it. We got a couple more of those before we get to the end. But in the end, it was a good day. It, it, uh, Minnesota, good day for Minnesota fans. Yeah. If you're a Big Ten fan and you lean that way, it was a good start uh, for, for the Big Ten. Well, and the only thing you can criticize is just that, that passing game just struggled all year. All year and it, it did. still it didn't never, show up. It just never got there. No, never uh, They did. never really could find like the one-two combo healthy enough in the passing game. But... But you know what? Those things happen. 
okay, when you can't consistently recruit upper four and five-star wide receivers, like when you have three and then three more to go, like a team we might talk about at right. the end here, most mortal teams don't have that. So then you should give credit to P.J. Fleck and the staff when you don't have that. They have other things ready to go, namely that defense that you talked about and a rushing attack that even with the top three running backs being down, yeah. we're all the way down to Kai Thomas and Bucky Irving, and they kicked, but you have got to give them credit for that, correct? Give them credit, and I give Mafe and Otomewu credit on defense. Yes. So Minnesota finished this year 9-4 and four with possession of the Axe. That's a very good year for <laughs> yes, the Minnesota Govers. We will break down every team uh, post-view in the offseason, uh, but I figure we just give a couple small comments here at the end of these games. All right, next game up was the next day, Wednesday, December 29th, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Maryland 54, Virginia Tech 10, the Terps with 481 yards of total offense to the Hokies 259. So here's what I liked about this game. Pretty much from start to finish, domination by the Terps in all phases of the game. Correct. Not just offense, not just defense. We're talking special teams. They had a punt return TD to start it off. They had two passing touchdowns in the game, three rushing touchdowns in the game, a field goal, and that's kind of a big thing for them, and a fumble TD in the game. They did it all. They did it all. Um, I I used a tip from you, so I'm going to give you some knocks right now. You you brought up to me, I mean, something that I know, but – forgot about you brought up to me how our guy locks hmm. likes to get off yeah. to fast starts right yeah. so the first half spread was maryland negative three okay so i took maryland negative three yeah. first half spread for some cash and it hit because it i mean and it wasn't off it, of it wasn't X's off, and O's. It was no. off of special teams right in fact but, but he did he did call some pre- i mean the big play i mean i think it was 80 80 yards on on the play for the pass play, 75 yards, maybe yeah. it was. So that was definitely a design, great play designed sure. by Locks. So, no, it wasn't the fast start, but in the end it paid off. So I, I just wanted to give you credit for that, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't the the special fast offensives. I was I was expecting a touchdown on the first drive offensively. For sure. Didn't happen. I was no. even wondering, maybe second drive, touchdown offensively. That didn't happen either. But it doesn't matter. They, the, the team got off to a fast start, and I felt like watching them, like this is a well-coached team right now. Um, I'm, I'm maybe we'll stop short of that, okay. but they were the more physical team in this game. Yeah, that's there's no doubt about that. Um, but, and, and just by the way, you know, Maryland fans, I know we've had a contentious relationship in the 2021 season, but I did bet on on Maryland to cover in this game. I think that's now the second time I've made money off of Maryland this year. Uh, Tulia Tonga Viola, 20 of 24. That is accurate. 265 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. The Terps with 206 yards rushing. That's a 7.4-yard yeah. average. That is impressive. Wide receiver Daryl Jones, four catches, 111 yards, and a touch and two touchdowns, most of it coming off that big, big play in the second quarter. Um, and on the other side, I mean, Virginia Tech is just a mess. Um, good luck. Former Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces they're going to have to get put back together to make this Virginia Tech Hokie team back into into a good program. Here's what I liked about the offense for Maryland in this game. Take Talia Tungavailoa out of it. If we're just looking at the running backs running the football, here are their averages per carry. Fleet Davis, 7.1. Littleton, <laughs> 6.4. McDonald, 9.0. And Hemby, 5.2. Insane. Every one of them over five yards average for the game. It was, the floodgates were open. They um, were. There was a lot of Vatek 
dudes that were out of this game. You know, I mean, that's probably fair to bring up. But still, with that being said, this is this is a powerful five opponent. They recruit too. Um, and I think it's pretty big for Locks in the sense that this is a regional recruiting opponent. Yeah. It's something that he can bring to the table. Like, you don't have to go to Vatek as a rebuild. We've already got things going in the yeah. right direction, yeah. right? At, at seven and six. So, no doubt about it. I, my, my, I think our sense, sorry, I don't mean to. I think our sense going into this game, we both picked uh, uh, Maryland to win uh, the bowl, yeah. um, was that the Terps were more dialed in. I think that's what it looked like for this bowl. And yeah. they pulled out the win. And with the win, Maryland finishes 7-6 and six overall with a bowl victory. Again, my apologies to Turp Nation. <laughs> I slided you big time, and, and you threw egg in my face. I deserve it. Yeah. That's yeah. probably your – was that your biggest miss? I don't think there's any as a team? about it. Yeah. Well, what did you have Michigan State finishing at? Um, in a bowl. I think I had 6-6 six and six or 7-5 okay. even. So. Yeah, so it was probably Maryland. Yeah. 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 Next game up, the Music City Bowl. Was this – the Big Ten Bowl of the season, it's debatable. It was a pretty crazy game. Purdue 48, Tennessee 45. The Boilermakers with 627 yards of total offense. Check, check this out. The Vols, their yardage total, 666, mm-hmm. which is fitting for that fan base. A little bit, I'd, yeah. I'd like to point out. Yeah. Um, wow, what a game. Um, t- I mean, hats off to Purdue. No George Karlaftis. No top two receivers yeah. out of this Milton game would want to even be an all American David, David Bell. How are they gonna find an offense and, and, and starting tackle was out? Dude, I like I okay, and it's almost like Purdue fed off of my negative energy all year. Because this is a team I was wrong on. May have been we my worst. Were. My we both were. This one in Michigan State were my two big biggest misses, but like on a game by game basis, when I would doubt them, they would prove me wrong. I didn't think they had any chance in this game because of everyone that was out. Now, you did say, well, I trust Brom to get something going. Okay. And boy, like it, it's amazing what he's done, too, because he was kind of in, in the doghouse with the fans last year. No doubt. And even a little the year before. And I was starting to lose confidence in him. But boy, he got it back this year in a big way. I mean, I, I still maybe question the overall... Team building, okay? Rushing attack, defense, special teams, stuff like that. There are, I tell you, yeah. what, you are not going to question the quarterback development and wide receiver development. It is to the point now and where... And again, play calling is back. That That's back, too. Like, he, he's got his mojo going. Um, how about some stats to back that up? Aiden O'Connell, 26 of oh. 47, 534 yards, five touchdowns, did have three picks. Yeah. Um, the rushing attack... I mean, how crazy is this? Purdue, 83 yards rushing to the Vols, 288. Somebody do a, a deep stat dive right. where you give up over 200 yards difference in a rushing attack. And still win. And win the game. And, and I will say, Hor- or not Hor- O'Connell, there was... The, some of those picks were bad. He was there was a few of those passes he was off. I'm like, this this isn't going to be their day. But it just he he flipped it like he was having a bad game. He right. really was right. And then he flipped it and he won the game. He won the game. He it was it was his fault they were losing. It was his fault yeah. that they won. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, there was times where I thought for sure Tennessee was going to win the game. Then there was times I yeah. thought for sure Purdue was. Then it was up in the air. And then Purdue pulls it out with a field goal at the last minute. How about some of these defensive stats? Okay, Jalen Alexander, yeah, nineteen tackles oh my in the Lord. game, which has got to be a Purdue Bowl record. I didn't hear it. But even maybe just as crazy, 
there were four Purdue Boilermakers with 12 tackles or more in this game. Please point to a time when a non-Northwestern team has done that. Before. Okay, good. I'm going to point out one reason why, though. I think the Vols ran 100 plays in this game, so there's you got to tackle someone on every play, right? Somebody's getting the tackle, right, dude? It was insane. Uh, wide receiver Brock Thompson out yeah. of nowhere, 17 or seven catches, 217 yards. That is a video game. 31.0 yard average, two touchdowns. Out of nowhere, he's out of Indianapolis. Ben Davis High School started at Marshall University, transferred to Purdue. What a great story there. Before the bowl, his his totals, 19 catches, 240 yards, and two touchdowns. He almost doubled the entire wow. season in the bowl game. Payne Durham, five catches, 85 yards, oh, man. and two uh, two touchdowns, or maybe two touchdowns himself. Yeah, those touchdowns had to go somewhere. Um, I mean, essentially... Like I, I appreciate you giving me credit. Like I now, not too much. I picked I picked Tennessee yeah. to win this game, but I did back it down because because you've always got to have this smell test going on with with Brom like Tom that he's just gonna pull rabbit out of a hat, and he and he did it. Like this is just this is what he does. And I saw a number of people tweeting that were at the game some some Tennessee fan incidents yes that would just well did you see the one where the Tennessee fan was just berating a Purdue uh the band, band member yeah the band member I, I mean and like could could Tennessee fans prove how horrible of people they are any more than they do every single time you have a chance to interact with them? I mean that poor kid that's playing there he's doing that out of the goodness of his heart they, they don't get anything for that no he they, just yeah he's doing it because he likes playing the trumpet or whatever right. and he's just getting berated by some 19 year old Tennessee fan he looked like a mellophone player to yeah me. okay um uh uh Tennessee's coach I'm, I'm drawing a blank oh hypo I you know we talked about his jowls oh my gosh I think it's even more it like from the top of his head down to the his quarter zip, it's just like a five gallon bucket. And I guess I didn't realize how portly he'd gotten overall. Like, because yeah. bef- oh, I'm thinking about a few years back, he was still kind of skinny, but had that big right. moon face, you know. But now it's it's everywhere. It's it's like contagious through his whole body. <laughs> moon but, face. But hold on, one more thing. I just want, to, just like to kind of wrap this up. With Purdue, I think they're like the sneaky feel-good story of the year in the Big Ten because, yeah, sure, Michigan State, great. Michigan, so, yeah, maybe not better than those two, but, man, the things they did, just in a totally impressive year. Another nine-win team. Just I, I, I did not see it preseason. Um, I'm, I'm doing this small little breakdown after each one. Eight teams should feel pretty good about how the year went or ended. One definitely probably does not, and another one's debatable. Okay, this is obviously one that feels good. Purdue finishes nine and four yep. with a bull win, two wins over top five teams during the year. I mean, that's a good year for Purdue anytime, but out of the blue from how yeah. many people, including me and you, saw it preseason, you, you, like Brom is a cockroach, man. Yeah. Like, blow the whole house up, you know, Almost every family member dies, and Brom walks out just a little cut up, but he's fine. I don't know. That's and it how was, he is. It was fun, too. Yeah. Just following them this year was fun. Thank you, Boiler. I mean, other than one week, but yes, I agree. Right. Next game up, the Peach Bowl. Another great game. Boy, I, I don't know, Kurt. I just I feel like it's good to have a lot of fun bowls to, to play and watch. You know, all right, do you want to do a little segue here? Here's the thing. It, you don't have to be playing for a championship to 
to have a game that you want to win. Like <laughs> the vast majority of regular season games aren't really played for anything other than winning I, I, I that game. I would go so far as to say after you've lost your second game, which is something Dustin Shooty pointed out on Twitter, aren't aren't they all kind of meaningless at that point? Right. But, I mean, maybe you can still get to your conference championship, but you're not winning a college football playoff. But in the famous words of Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And what I saw was a lot of players and coaches playing to win the game. Uh, in, in meaningless games such as the Music City Bowl, I saw some happy Purdue Boilermakers after the game was over. I know. Right? And then even more than that, what if, if you'd got something going on that night, you just don't watch it. You don't have to turn it on. <laughs> but if you don't, like me, because I got two small kids in the house, it's fantastic having a college football game to watch. And some of these games were just awesome. But they were to watch. they were great. And I like Danny Cannell. You like Danny Cannell, Absolutely. but it's just a horrible take that he has. I was even th- It's I w- a Danny Cannell take where he's everybody makes fun of turtlenecks. Guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna wear he's gonna, a turtleneck. Yeah, right. Because that's exactly. Danny. That's part so, of his personality. But yeah. But what I was thinking is Think about a team like Rutgers that wanted to go to a bowl game badly and, and did get to go to one. Illinois wanted to go to a bowl game. I mean, by the end of the season, fans, the players, coaches, we knew they were playing good football. We wanted another shot. Why not expand the bowls and have the, – the greatest thing about the bowls is you're pitting similar teams against each other, right? Right, absolutely. So like a 5-7 and seven team that's feeling good – Playing another five and seven or team. Six and se- okay, Whatever. I wouldn't expand it to the point of five and seven. I think we need to keep it at six and six. I I disagree with you. Wow. So you're you're going even deeper. Well, why shouldn't you be able to get a a game at the end of the year that's just you're playing to win the I'll game t- and you're playing against a similar opponent? I tell you why because there should be a line set where because getting bull prep. Is, should be a reward for teams that are running their program. Well, that's well, a whole nother story. Okay. I think but, that's wrong that you don't get to practice, but. Okay. All right. Should we go back to the actual game that we talked yeah. about? Yeah. That was a good All right. side. All right. Reset it. The Peach Bowl, Michigan State 31, Pitt 21, Sparty with 410 yards of total offense to the Panthers 274. The Sparty was down almost the entire game. You Right when you think. It's probably over. Michigan State's going to end the season with a loss. Well, Tuck coming, baby. And here's here's what's remarkable about them winning this game is they gave up that uh, the in, the interception right before the half that ended up being a touchdown for Pitt, and then they come out and they fumble the ball, get, gets returned for Tuck. If you screw up before the half and right after the half, you rarely win a football game. That's a really good point. I mean, it is. it's kind of like up there with being – Negative 200 yards rushing in total in the game and winning it. Those type of things just don't no. happen. You just don't come back from that. But this is what Michigan State is this year. You you absolutely could never count them out. Nope. Well, maybe there was one game you could count them out. Pretty yeah. Other than that game, there was never a game where you could count them out. They, they would explode at any time. Maybe even the most impressive all year long. Well, other than obviously the Michigan game, but... Um, this would be the second most impressive. Why? Because they had no rushing attack with Kenny Walker oh, out. Know. 36 carries for 56 yards. That's a 1.6-yard average. Ugh. We talked about how losing a running back isn't that yeah. big a deal. Maybe when that running back is yeah. as special as Kenny Walker, yeah. it, it does make quite a big of a deal. But how, again, like you can look at this half you know, glass half full or glass half empty. I'm choosing to look at it half full for Michigan State. They didn't have a rushing attack, 
and they still figured out a way to win this game. And why is that? Well, Peyton Thorne, he was 29 to 50 for 354, three touchdowns, had an interception, but yeah. pretty solid game out of him. Jalen Naylor had a good game at the wide receiver position. So did Jaden Reed. That's kind of what they've been doing all year. Yep. They scored touchdowns in their last three possessions, essentially. Correct. Essentially. Touchdown, yeah. touchdown, then the interception, touchdown, and then the victory formation at the end, which doesn't count. Right. So they just, I mean, just close game and they put it away. Um, and, and, and Peyton Thorne, we had said on the previous podcast, maybe it'll be kind of interesting to put the game on to Peyton Thorne to see what it looks like. He didn't look great the whole game. No, but I, and, and I think it's fair to say at this point that Peyton Thorne is pretty streaky, but I tell you what, yeah. when he gets hot, he, he gets hot, man. And he is fun to watch. Um, Pitt, no Kenny Pickett, uh, but they still had a ton of talent uh, at the wide receiver and running back spot too. Backup quarterback, he looked pretty good. I think you got to give a little bit of credit for the Michigan State secondary back seven, which was abused well, all year long. They looked better in okay. this game. Okay, so Jordan Addison, their big stud wide receiver, he had 114 yards. He's yep. going to get his yards. After that, they, they only gave up 56 yards passing. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's that's darn good. Way to go. I, I, again, it, it, it is the story of the 2021 Michigan State Spartans. And how did they finish up? 11-2 and two on the year mm. with a win over their rival Michigan. I know, I mean, Michigan State fans, are they, they've seen a lot of Big Ten championships in their time. That's, that's the goal for them. With that being said, all the things considered with new coach and everything, that is a fantastic year. Um, standing Room Spartans put it perfect. It was a playing with house money Absolutely. year. Um, I, would, I would love to know... Like, like, if you really ask Michigan State fans, even compared to some of the, the Big Ten championship seasons that maybe weren't as aesthetically pleasing, but you still won the games, was this actually, quote-unquote, more fun than some of them? It's, I'm sure. It's up for debate. I'm sure it was. It's up for debate. Yeah. All right, next game up, the Las Vegas Bowl. Wisconsin 20, Arizona State 13, the Badgers with 294 yards of total offense to the Sun Devils, 219. So... You know how the kids they give a shout out when you know and some somebody's doing good. Sure, like the shout, shout outs. Out. Yeah, I'd like to give Paul Christ a shit out. Okay, for not either kicking a field goal or scoring a touchdown at the end of the game. I had Wisconsin negative uh, seven with quite a bit of shekels on it. That was also my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Didn't lose, got a push, but Wisconsin went on an epic. No, this wasn't your lock. Yeah, it was. No, was, your your lock was was the Iowa. No, no, no. This was the first pod lock. We both had. Two. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you, uh, you're right and wrong. But yeah, this was my Amador double barrel lock of the of the pod okay. on the previous right. one. Okay. Um, this was also one that I threw some shekels on in, yeah. in the real world. Okay. okay. Um, stayed up to watch it. I'm exhausted. You know, we got company coming over the next day, but um, really wanted to watch this game. Um, Wisconsin absolutely dominated pretty much the entire game, and then just kind of fell asleep offensively, but then goes on that, I don't know if you saw it, but just an epic, I don't know well, the stats off the top of my head, but like 15 plays. Oh, no, it was 18 plays, 90 okay. yards, and, and almost 10 minutes is what they, they ended the game with. With, I mean, it was. So that's me. I'm going to give a shout-out to Paul Chris. 100% shout-out, but with two minutes to go, they had the ball on the eight-yard line, I believe, and kneeled it out all the way to the end where there's three seconds <laughs> left. Like, like, they, like Arizona State's defense 
looked like probably you on New Year's Day. Yeah. Waking up. They were beat down and tired. They could have just breathed on the on the Arizona State front seven and walked in for the cover. I've probably talked enough on that. Braylon Allen, 29 carries, 159 yards. Graham Mertz, 11 of 15, 137, 1-1. One and one. Me and Wisconsin fans were all saying the same thing by about the second quarter. Why are they even attempting a pass? Right. They could have just played Wisconsin defense. And I'm not joking. Like, sometimes you say this stuff and joke. They literally could have never thrown a pass the entire game and probably won this game by three touchdowns. They probably would have won by more. Yeah, I think so. Agree. But I think Graham did okay, except for that he was a bad interception. Other than that. Played a good game. In, in all honesty, it was a bad interception. I put that more on Crest for calling the play in the first place. Sure. There was okay. no need to, <laughs> for him to throw the ball at the time. Uh, Nick Herbig and Leo Chanel doing Herbig and Leo Chanel thing. 16 tackles, pretty good. Four sacks between the two of them. Uh, Arizona State Jane Daniels was, was doing all that he could. I want to give that guy credit. Yeah. Um, 11 of 21. 159 yards, one interception, but he was the entire offense. Yeah. 40 yards rushing. Did you look up the the rushing totals for Arizona State running backs? 14 for 20 yards. That's what they're running backs. And a they're running for, for the, 14 attempts. Well, the one was from the wide receiver. So it was actually, if you take the wide receiver, I was 14 carries for 14 oh, yards for a okay. 1.0 yard, just, just to be specific. They, so their big carries on the day was a wide receiver and then uh, the the quarterback. Well, but run. Pearsall's the wide receiver, but he 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 had two rushes for negative six yards. Okay, maybe. So I'll... the so the running backs had 12 rushes for 26 is what okay. I'm, that's what I'm looking at. Long story short. The, the not Ari- Right. Long story short, the Arizona State running backs got a taste of what this Wisconsin front seven is. And they, I mean, they absolutely caved the Arizona State offensive line in. This was yet another game, in my opinion, where a Big Ten team, both I mean, it, up front, both O-line and D-line, just abused a Pac-12 team. This kind of looked similar to the Minnesota game, really. Very much. And in the same situation, Wisconsin only won by seven points. They were a 14 to 21 point Absolutely. team better than Arizona State. They like I believe it was the right call to pick them as the lock of the week. I still can't believe this didn't cover. Jake Ferguson still related to Barry Alvarez. Boy, they got that one into along with I mean it was early when they got the Braylon Allen is only 17 years old. They Good they point. hit that like three or four times. Yeah. But it's almost gotten to the point now where it's worth it because you see so many it's fun on Twitter watching a Wisconsin game because everybody's making fun of it. Do you think next year it'll be Braylon Allen is only 18 years old? Will they stick with yes. it? Yes. I mean, how could they not? He's he's a sophomore and he's only 18. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. Way to go, Badgers. With the win, Wisconsin finishes 9-4 and four with a win over Iowa, but a loss against Minnesota, but a bowl victory. Not great, but if the worst that you do is nine and four in an off year. Look, remember how bad it looked early in the season? And then they ripped off, I think it was seven in a row. I mean, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. Their their offensive line looked terrible. And then it flipped, yep. you know, just like it always does for them. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Guy across the table from me. Very familiar with yeah, that familiar with that product. Their unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, 
raised in California. That brings us to the halfway mark. Five bowls down, five to go. The Big Ten started out 5-0 and oh in bowls. Yes, they did. It was looking pretty good. Not pretty, too bad. Pretty, pretty, Not pretty too bad good. there. Next up was on Friday, December 29th, the Gator Bowl. Wake Forest 38, Rutgers 10, the Demon Deacons with 452 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 276. The, the only hope that I had for Rutgers winning this game was, you know, kind of along the lines you're talking about dominating in the trenches. If they could be more physical than Wake Forest and run the ball like they haven't been running at all, you're just kind of out of nowhere, you know, unexpected because they're playing a non-Big Ten team. That was their chance, but they only ran for 111 yards. Not nearly enough, but God bless them for wanting to be there, for showing up, okay. for everyone on the team showing up, for Shiano saying, I want to be in that bowl, and only having eight days to prepare. This is a win. I don't care what the score was. You, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, to a certain degree, like, we're going to obviously include Rutgers in the total bowl record here, but, like, this should at least have an asterisk behind it for the loss. I mean, this was a Rutgers team that... Struggled offensively pretty much all year long, at least all October and November. Um, going against a Wake Forest offense that was, I mean, that, th- this offense was putting up points like crazy. This was still a contested game pretty deep into the third quarter. You got to give the Scarlet Knights credit for that. Um, we talked about the Rutgers, you know, quarterback situation. Five different players so if you're, a pass. Okay, if you recall... I made a joke that they'd play all seven of their quarterbacks. Well, they got pretty close. <laughs> they got pretty close. <laughs> and the the, the uh, five different uh, players were 18 of 33, 165 yards, zero touchdowns and two picks. Not exactly the stant line you, you were hoping. Not um, great, Bob. And the running backs only had nine yeah. carries on the day. You, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what they were look, what the coaches were seeing, why they, why they didn't want to, you know, dedicate themselves, but... They were just never going to win the game if that was the Well, case. I mean, what it was was they got behind, right? I mean, yeah, once they I were know. two scores down, Shiano just ain't the type of cat that's going to say we're going to keep this thing close by running the ball. He's going to take shots. He's yeah. going to do what he can. Um, I wanted uh, to give a shout-out to Johnny Football Langan. He yeah. was 2 of 2 passing for 21 yards, rushing the ball 6 carries, 20 yards. He was their leading receiver, 6 receptions for 57 yards. I love that guy. Always like that guy. There was a comment on the um, – uh, commentary by the announcers. They said, where is um, Johnny Langdon going to line up? And Chiano said, everywhere. And he pretty much did. He sure did. Shout out to, I think, uh, Wake Forest quarterback Sam yeah. Hartman. 23 of 39, 304 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback. So in the end, Rutgers finishes 5-8. and eight. I mean, not a great year, but it was still another step it's a momentum in the right builder. direction. And yeah. technically... Shiano got him to a bowl. They deserve credit for being at the bowl because of the scholastic commitment. So sure. you can't you can't throw that off. But I still feel like ten years from now, when people forget about things, they're going to look at this total record and then be like, "Wait a second, five and eight. Rutgers was in a bowl. Yeah. that year. And what 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 was the story behind that? Yeah, kind of funny. But good job to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Absolutely. Props. Next game up was on Saturday, January first, New Year's Day, the Outback Bowl. Arkansas 24, Penn State 10, the Razorbacks with 451 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions 323. Lot of dudes out for Penn State on defense. And it too many. Out. Too many. Too many. It just you, to lose your your best pass rusher, which might 
which might typically be the biggest loss from a defense, but then to have both of your linebackers gone that were one and two by a moonshot yeah. on the team and tackles. I, I mean, and, and then, oh, by the way, their best player in the secondary, that's an All-American as well. Um, we tried to talk Penn State uh, fans into saying, just try to view this as a scrimmage for 2022. Um, Penn State fans are a boisterous bunch on Twitter. I didn't hear anything from them on on new year's day well i think there just wasn't a ton to cheer about well i think that reflected the team because there just wasn't really any juice there from the penn state nittany lions i was kind of expecting that uh put some shuckles on the under in this game that hit parker Um, washington he looked good he looked great there wasn't a whole lot of else to talk about other than i will say they ran for 125 yards, which is Decent. not something they've been doing. And Arkansas is a physical front seven. Yeah. You know, it was a good front seven. Um, Sean Clifford, 14 of 3,295 yards. Touchdown and two picks. Um, it's probably an easy cop-out, but I just personally believe it's true. No Jahan Dotson out there, and it showed. Now, don't get me wrong. Parker Watson, uh, Parker Washington made some plays, but... When that is your guy that you looked for all year long and he's not there, yeah. it is tough to come up with that. Keandre Lambert Smith, he had a pretty good day as well, seventy four yards receiving and a touchdown. Uh, but in the end, the the uh, rushing totals for Arkansas amazing fifty eight carries, three hundred and fifty three yards rushing. Definitely a bowl game record for how many yards and that Penn State a, gave up, and it's probably up there for just Penn State's entire history. It was just it was just an unfortunate event. It's almost as much as Illinois rushed for this year against them. Curtis Jacobs at the linebacker position, he had a good game. Jesse Lucetta had a good game too. So that we did get a chance to watch some young guys shine out in defense. And you got the bowl prop. So I think in the end. It's still a net positive for Penn State that younger players got reps and you got the bull yeah. prep. It just it was a clunker way to end a clunker season. Penn State right. finishes seven and six, but somehow James Franklin worked in an extension in between all of that. It's not actually ten years, but Penn State's going to be an interesting team to keep our eyes on in, through the offseason going into next year. It will. There's yeah. there's, there's a little things. there's things there's some contention right now. Next game up, a little bit later on New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky 20, Iowa 17. The Wildcats with 354 yards of offense to the Hawks, 384. Um, It was the game everybody expected, uh, which was a lower-scoring game, so it was as advertised. Um, Kentucky, really good offensive line. They've got one, two, maybe three guys on the offensive line that people think are going to get drafted at some point. With that being said... Maybe I'm looking at it through hockey colored glasses. I thought Iowa looked like the more physical team on this day. Yeah, I would say they look more physical. Um, this is another barn burner that we had over the weekend. This ended up being a, it was kind of a snooze fest, turned into a barn burner. Correct. At the end, this was a great finish to this game. The Iowa defense, I mean, they ended up kind of finally breaking at one point. Yes. But my gosh, they were looking so good up to that point, and I thought they were going to win the game for them. I mean, what it was was a sandwich. They gave up the drive right to start the game. Yeah. Seven. I mean, how many times this year, by the way, did the opposing yeah. offense go right down the field on Iowa's defense? Iowa's defense adjusts and just completely shuts it. It, it has happened too many times well, to not think that it's a thing. When, when those other teams are on script – 
they go through the defense, but there's some sort of adjustment Phil Parker right. makes, and it's crazy. Okay, but you, there's good and bad to that. you got to give Parker credit for adjusting, but why are they never ready on that first it's drive? Crazy. It's weird. Iowa fans are both entertained and frustrated by it, but it wound up being a sandwich, right? Yeah, The drive did. to start the game, the drive to end the game, in between dominant defense. I mean, how many times did the – crappy Iowa offense put the put the Iowa uh, defense into a bad spot and they responded you know short field uh, uh, series for Kentucky that Iowa would hold them to field goals that happened twice in this game um, uh, six sacks by Iowa's defense in this game oh. your cousin Zach Van, yep. Valken- Van Valkenburg last game in a Hawkeye uniform two and a half sacks in this game Jack Campbell well, was everywhere 14 tackles but Val- Van Valkenburg had that huge stop too on the run play though it was like what was it a was that a fourth down fourth and one or fourth yep. and two or something like that yep. which it looked like it was a sure first down and then he swoops in to save the day. Dude, he was balling up his last game. Um, to me, Iowa was the better team up front. They ran the ball better. The defense was good. The special team was good. But they still lose the game. Why? Mm. Spencer Petras, 19 of 30, 211 yards, <sighs> one touchdown, three picks. You you go. Well, I, I'm an I, Iowa fan. Okay, I, I, I hate. Subjectively. <laughs> no, I know, I I hate saying negative things specifically about one player, but he was putrid, but then he started finding a little bit of a rhythm. Not that I ever felt great and confident, and then, of course, in the end, he did what he does, and he let us down, but with a bad interception. It was terrible. The guy was wide open for probably... A, a pretty easy first down. All he had to do was drop it right over the line to, and he couldn't do that. And he just, he ducked it right over his head, horrible misfire. And I know he was under a little bit of a pressure, but that's what you got to do as a quarterback. You don't miss that. You never miss that play. If you're a good quarterback. And there was, thank you. And there was other plays in the game that were schemed wide open. We're talking crossers. He that- missed a number of absolutely wide open wide receivers. And it's not, he's just missing the throw. He's same, and it was the same thing in the Big Ten Championship when me and the Carthaginian and Zed Man were sitting up there. You get a better cat's eye view. There was other plays that were schemed open in that game that he completely missed. It's it's I so don't like I, I you already said we don't want to bag on one player too much, okay? And there was there's a there's a lot of angry Iowa fans with the offense in general, the quarterback play, Brian Ferentz, yeah. you know. I don't want people to – I've never tweeted at an Iowa football player. I'm never going to tweet at an Iowa football player with stuff like that. But So don't do that. You're, you're, you're an idiot if you do that. With that being said, like no one player is bigger than the program. And if there's one player that's hurting the program, I'm sorry, but there's 84 other scholarship guys yeah. that deserve a chance to have something big accomplished. Yeah. And if the one guy that I feel like is holding them back – you got to make a decision that's right for the program. It's it's not just about one guy's feelings. No, it's not. You and I don't know is is he that poor at throwing the football or is it is something is it mental? Does he is he getting a case of the yips a little bit? And I wonder if that's the case because I I tend to believe Kirk Ferentz and even Brian Ferentz know more about the sport of football than even me or you or the guys on Twitter. I think they see Petrus looking better in practice. Yeah. So I understand that like, that's what you have to go off of. But when we've got like a 15 game 
you know, uh, uh, sample, sample size. size. Yeah. And it's looked like this. I've seen enough. And Iowa fans mm-hmm. have seen enough. And, and the educated guys in my text group, Hawkeye fans, we've seen enough. It just, there's moments of stuff that's good, but it's never going to be enough to get over the hump. It, 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 it's tough to watch. I'd like to give a shout out, though, to the Williams and Williams yeah. team. Running backs, 30 carries, 170 yards, 5.8 yards average. I Not thought, related, but they look good. I thought they looked great. They're very physical. I just felt I liked the running game better i know without and, it, and it's it's it is a um i should read the tweet that i uh, um that plan sick day is a big iowa uh, twitter account that he put out but you know essentially what iowa wants to do on offense i'm sorry but these two types of running backs are just a better fit I think than so. tyler goodson it doesn't mean that tyler goodson isn't talented he could have some success at the nfl but it the, the running attack looked better especially when the offensive line was mauling the, their defensive line for a while, like pushing them back. They were backpedaling, it looked like. And when you have a big physical back like that, behind that kind of momentum, that that there you go. That's your running back right there. And that's what we get at least two more years out of these guys. So there's a lot of positives to pull out of this. Uh, Iowa finishes 10-4, and four, gets three out of the four trophies, makes it to Indianapolis. It is a season that you should feel good about, but it's like a weird pasta dish where it it tastes good yeah it's filling but just a weird tangy you, taste in your mouth that you, well you have. don't feel good at the end yeah you can't your belly kind of hurts a little bit like did you, you need, eat too much need, or was there some like down ingredient that, yeah that's it so wanted to point out that this was both of our amateur locks of the week you had kentucky minus three i had iowa plus three it pushed <laughs> so this is proof that we don't we don't control the college football space-time continuum, but we affect it. And I feel like we each kind of put ripples into the college football space-time. We just touched it, and the, it rippled. And so we we willed that into happening. I'm sure of it. Dude, that is so crazy. Like, the only time we've ever done it, and they get a push. And it was a miraculous push. It at, was. At it. At it that. was. Like, Iowa kind of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory at the end. They there, did, say, yeah. So it's crazy that it went down like that. All right, two games left, and there were big ones. The next game up, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State 48, Utah 45. As Dustin Schutte pointed out on Twitter today, the, probably the two best games of the Big Ten season, both finished with a 48-45 to 45 score with a game-winning field goal. Isn't, that, isn't that nuts? <laughs> and, it, and it happened, and I didn't even pay attention. Neither to did Dustin, I. Until Dustin tweeted it out. The Buckeyes with 683 yards of total offense to the Utes, 463. Well, so obviously the big story is the offensive explosion here from the Buckeyes, C.J. Stroud, and then, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I think what's lost in that is how – their defense turned around after yeah. halftime. Boy, I I would like to have been a fly on the wall when Ryan Day went into that locker room. Because that was putrid what they did in the first half. The, it was embarrassing. I wanted to tweet out, how can you have this much talent and be this bad defensively? Um, my side, t- my tweet was, I think it was at halftime, was Iowa and Ohio State combined for 20 regular season wins. Yep. But if you teamed up Iowa's offense... With Ohio State's defense, I don't know if that team wins two games. I don't even know. I'm not even sure they do. I can't. I can't <laughs> be positive. Don't with, you think that's crazy? Like it, an entire unit for both two teams that are good that had good seasons, an entire unit was that bad for for each team. And I guess part of that is they both have good special teams. <laughs> special teams good. Yeah, but it, it's, it's just crazy to me. But like, 
I would love to see a simulation of that. Yeah, I would do. Uh, actually, I'd hate it to a certain degree, but I'm um, 14 nothing. Utah was up in this game. Um, I've texted with, I was texting with a couple Ohio State fans. Like, I'm not going to tweet out on Twitter, but like, this does look like a team that does not want to be there. That's it, what Ohio State looked like I mean, early. It, it did at first. Although, but then I also said, with that being said, if they can get a big player to to excite the team, they could really take it off. Take off. Well, dude, and I I would say that C.J. Stroud always looked like he he wanted to be there. The wide receivers always looked like they wanted to be there. There was a bigger part of the team maybe that didn't look like they wanted to be there. Stroud had that one interception, which was really just a misfire. He underthrew the guy. Other than that. That guy's accuracy is absolutely pinpoint. It is like, I don't mean to bag on him, but Iowa fans were went from watching our game yeah. to this one to watch the quarterback play from that game to this one. Like, and think about it, there was Ohio State fans that weren't happy with CJ Stroud at the beginning of the year. That is one high four star, five star, whatever he is, recruit that is looking exactly how you expect him to look. Like, I Better. Know, I know this is like a announcer cliche, but you literally could not have ran forty yards down the field no. and hand delivered the ball where he put it. Sometimes the the one to Harrison over his shoulder, I it's it, I, you can't make a better throw than that. It's impossible. I mean, my buddy Josh, big Utah fan. Um, I can't I can't let him speak for everybody, but like in the second half and after the game, he's like. What are you gonna do? Like, no, I, you can't defend that. And Utah had a beat up secondary. Um, the rushing totals for Ohio State ain't great. Um, uh, Twenty carries, one hundred and ten yards, but a five point five yard average. The fact of the matter is, they needed to keep scoring points, and they're like, well, they can't stop us throwing the ball, right. so we're just gonna keep throwing the ball. Well, and speaking of not stopping, here's the stats from C.J. Stroud. 37 of 46 for 573 and six touchdowns with that one INT. And then Jackson Smith and Jibba. Oh. As as the game is going on, you know, I find it weird. They're, they're always happy to keep you up to date on quarterback stats and running back stats. But when a wide receiver is having a great it's game, they don't, yeah. they don't always. And I was like, he's got to be close to 200 yards at this point. So I went to the ESPN app, which, by the way, does a great job keeping – up to date in game, okay. and he was at two thirty already. I'm like, why aren't they even talking about this? And then they finally start talking about it. And but he ends up fifteen catches, three forty seven, and three touchdowns. It's a it's a all time bowl record for receiving. Not not just Rose Bowl, not all, just Ohio yep. State. Any wide receiver that's ever played in a bowl game in the history of college football, JSN just set the record. Ohio State team record, Ohio State bowl record, obviously. And he had he did have the one gaffe where he. He got the ball punched away from him as he was right. kind of going into the right. end zone. Right. Could have been even a better game. Um, do you have the Mr. Ohio stat that I, I DM'd you? No, I don't. I, I put I DM'd it on Twitter, but he prorated what okay. CJ Stroud and oh, okay. uh, uh, JSN stats would be over. 12, oh, I got it. I got it right here. <laughs> here, if you if you take this and project it, <laughs> extrapolate to a 14 game schedule, CJ Stroud would have. 6,864 yards passing with 72 touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba would have 4,368 receiving yards and 36 touchdowns, so half of them. And uh, the, the linebacker, Eichenberg, 204 tackles. He had a great game, Yeah, too. he had a yeah, great game, yeah. too. Um, but really, I mean, um, by the way, I had Utah plus four in this game. Okay. So they covered. 
by and and the and another funny thing, uh, my cousin. I love the over in this game, and my cousin okay. talked me out of it. He's like, "Dude, oh. you're, you're crazy." So, well, I, I was only going to bet one or the one or the other, so it, it didn't make any difference. But this felt like I texted my buddies. This is going to be a sloppy, fun, but crazy game, and that's exactly what we got. But again, I just want to reiterate. I didn't think Ohio State was going to win this game the entire first half. It just seemed no. like Utah was more dialed in. Yep. Um, from what I told, it was like a three to one advantage Utah fans over Ohio State fans. Oh, and really? Well, dude, it's Utah's first Rose, Bowl. and they're right there. They're and, right there. And Ohio State fans are probably a little disappointed. Well, and, make and, pay up. and they just were in the Rose Bowl. I think it was three years ago. Okay, maybe four. So I understand it to a certain degree. Like it just seemed like. For once in a millennium, the chips were actually stacked against Ohio State. So you know what Ohio State did? They just knocked the chips over and started throwing to their talent. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a good game. So speaking too. of yeah, speaking of talent, I wanted to point out the young wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. six catches, seventy one yards, three touchdowns. Amika Buka had three catches, forty six yards. Julian Fleming looked pretty good at times, five catches, thirty five yards. They're they're going to be pretty okay in the wide. Receiver I think they're going to be all right. Uh, the, the only negative part, I mean, Utah rushing 44 carries, 225 yards. It's a 5.1 yard average. I was impressed by Cam rising 214 yards, a touchdown, no picks. He looked good. Um, but in the end, Ohio state finishes on a down year. <laughs> Ohio state finishes 11 and two with a Rose bowl win. I'm sorry, Buckeye fans. I know I'm looking at this from an Iowa fan point of view and Kurt's looking at it from an Illinois fan. That's a good year. I'm sorry, but that's still a pretty damn good year. Buckeye fans, zero sympathy. Stop, All right. In fact, stop bitching and moaning. Okay? That's what I'm – not even sympathy. I'm telling you to stop bitching and moaning. I would say for the most part, the ones I followed were – they were pretty happy on on they were. That, on, on uh, New but, Year's Day night. But they were bitching and moaning before that. Bit. I understand. Last game up, sadly, the last game of the year that we have to break down, which was the Big Ten game of the week. But it wasn't. The Orange Bowl, better known as the college football playoff semifinal, Georgia 34, Michigan 11, the Bulldogs with 521 yards of total offense to the Wolverines, 328. So can I start out by saying this? Like, um, The SEC gets an advantage because of ESPN and the recruiting rankings where if you even if you lose a game at the end of the year, you still get in to the college football playoff. It's not even debatable. You just get in. Yep. Okay. But they, they're they making their money off of it, too. Like, when they get into the college football playoff, obviously the SEC teams are looking fantastic. And because of just the experience of Alabama being there, of Georgia being sure. there, that is the taste that I got at the beginning of this game was yeah. Georgia was playing. They, they expected to be there. They were yeah. more angry at how the SEC championship went. They were just going about their business, whereas you could tell Michigan now, was trying to get a feel yeah. for a game that big, and, and having that experience, it it showed out for Georgia. Yeah. They were not ready for the moment. Michigan was not. I mean, they got outplayed badly. I mean, it's really from the get-go. I mean, first possession, Georgia gets the first possession, touchdown. Michigan, God bless them, gave, turned it over on downs. I thought there's probably a good decision to go for it. Georgia gets the ball. Touchdown. Michigan punt. Georgia field goal. The next one, field goal. Another touchdown before the half. They Their defense got, kind of got exposed. They, they did not look like they looked all year, and they just had no offense or no, no answer for them 
on offense either. Yeah, and and it was, Cade it McNamara was, was out of his element, yep. did not play well, wasn't his day. J.J. McCarthy came in, didn't really look all that much better. They got down so much they could not feature their running backs. Blake Corum only got three carries on the day. That's not how they were going to win this game. Couldn't get the wide receivers involved. Nothing went right for them. No, um, really. When we broke down this game pre, you know, pre-game or, or um, you know, pre-predictions or whatever, really, it came down to one thing and one thing only. And I guess we talked about it a little bit, but could Michigan run the ball? Because if they could run the ball, yep. we, we could have a game. They couldn't run the ball, and that was it. Yeah, but it was also just too late. It got to the point; it was too late to try to run the ball. That too. So really. Do you want to put it more on the Michigan rushing attack or the Michigan front seven? The answer is both. Um, the fact that, like, what we thought, I mean, the over-under in this game was low, you know. Um, by the way, it stayed under. The over-under was 45.5. That's where it stopped. Oh. It, it it hit it 45. Wow. It was a half point under. That's crazy. But Georgia getting to 34 points would think, one would think this would have gone over, over yeah. because you would expect Michigan um, – um, uh, like point I'm trying to make is you thought this would be a closer game. It was only a seven point spread. I thought Michigan's defense would just look darn good. Yeah. I thought Georgia would struggle to move the ball consistently when they came out and went 14 zip like that and really kind of moving the ball at ease. You just had a shitty feeling in your stomach the rest of the night. Yeah, and I had pointed out in the preview that. Just because Georgia had had that awful game defensively against Bama, I couldn't ignore what they had done in the 12 games prior to that, and that showed up. This is a really good defense. It's um, a great defense. Is it it's possible amazing defense. that Georgia still is the best team in the country by far, and they just – there was an X's and O. You know, they got exposed in the SEC well, championship. It's always easier to beat a team the second time around it's, once you make adjustments, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, they okay, they showed their hand – now we can adjust to that. So, I don't know. We'll find out. Um, yeah. Zero sacks out of the Michigan defense. That surprised me. Correct. Surprised I mean, me. it's a it's a good Georgia offensive line. Don't get me wrong. Um, there is going to be some pressure now on Cade McNamara where I saw a lot of Michigan fans, and I don't blame them. Jordan's among them, and he's a very you know pragmatic Michigan fan. Cade's good, but he's not get you over the top. No, probably good. not. No. Um, so I can understand that. Like I would assume but, JJ McCarthy. But he had such a good year. You couldn't I understand. you couldn't go with anybody but him. But he's okay. Let me let me just we'll we'll continue this conversation. With with the loss, Michigan finishes eleven and two, but Big Ten champs with yep. the win over Ohio State. Horrible end. Horrible one game in the middle, but in the end one of the more enjoyable Michigan seasons in the last 25 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to go back to the national championship. I would think so. To have a better year. I would think so. This was a fantastic year. Yeah. Um, so to continue on with the conversation, to me, you tell me if I'm wrong, but to win a national championship, I believe there are really two, but I would say maybe three position groups that you have to be elite at. Okay. Yeah. First and foremost – quarterback yes obviously and Cade McNamara is not elite okay so I mean obviously Joe Burrow a couple years ago and I would say Bryce Young now yeah these are elite different make makers at quarterback okay the next position is kind of close okay like they're tied together obviously which is the wide receiver spot I believe that's what we've seen the differences even Nick Saban has adopted this where Having this elite yep. talent on the outside, it's almost impossible to consistently stop. And then the third one that you're not going to see very often, but I think is still there, 
is an absolutely dominating elite front seven. That's what Georgia's got. So Alabama's got the quarterback with one wide receiver, and then Bama's got the front seven. Michigan had very good at both, but very good at both is not as valuable as elite at one of the other two or three that I've said. Yeah. Do, you, do you believe that's fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I would say, and I, and I really like their wide receivers, but I would say even their wide receivers aren't at that elite not level. Yet. And the quarterback, you know, it could be J.J. McCarthy. We don't know yet. But, yeah, it, Cade wasn't quite good enough. But Michigan, to me, peaked, not peaked in that that they would go down, but they're a year ahead of schedule in my mind. Yeah. Our thought process was, can they get to like eight and four right. and build for 2022? They got to this height this year. So if they can keep the momentum yeah. going into next year, that's something that I would try to tell a disgruntled Michigan fan right now. And you've got a great talent at the quarterback position. Right. Um, last couple things that I would point out is right now, the SEC sets at five and six in bowls. Mm. Okay. Um, LSU plays Kansas state Tuesday night, weirdest bowl ever. <laughs> Um, so they, they're, you know, if they win that, they're, they're favored to lose that bowl. So if they yeah. lost that, they would be five and seven. They would finish, uh, six and eight because, you know, it's a all SEC championship puke in my mouth with that. But I guess nothing has changed to me, which is that the SEC is elite at the top, yep. but teams three through 14, can we stop, you know, patting them on the back this much? It's ridiculous. It's, it's just. It's just another conference, teams three for 14. It is. It's There's nothing elite about it. I'm, I'm so tired of the rugged SEC. The SEC is just as rugged as the Big Ten. In fact, I would say the Big Ten middle is actually stronger. Could make a case for that. Okay. Um, and then as far as the final bowl records for the Big Ten, the Big Ten will finish six and four in the bowls. The West, three and one. Okay. I'm going to look up. Interesting. Now, I'm going to look it up again because – the Big Ten West bull record in the last five to ten years has been really good. And can we rewind a Iowa, second? Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota have had a really good bull record the last five years. Yeah. Let's rewind a second. So I know Rutgers kind of backdoored into a, into a, 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 a bowl game here. But, you know, if you remove one conference game and add an FCS team, well, they would have qualified for a bowl outright. Correct. You know who else would have? University Illinois. of Illinois would have qualified for a bowl outright. So then you sit there and say, is the Big Ten dumb for not doing that? Of course because they are. Because that's what the SEC does. Of course And they then are. you know what the SEC gets with those bowls? Group of five teams in those bowl games. I know. And by the way, they went 0 and, uh, or 1 and 3 versus those teams. Or was it 1 and 4? I thought it was I thought it was worse than that. Are you sure they won? I think they went I think they went 0 and 3. The and then obviously Bama crushed Cincinnati, so it was either okay. one and three. So they or lost to four. Army, yep. Central Florida, they lost to Houston, they lost to, and then they beat Cincinnati. So they lost. One and three. They lost three of them. They were one and three versus group of five teams. Correct. But but the point still stands. What you're trying to make is give. Illinois and Rutgers an FCS win yeah. instead of a loss in conference. Right. We get two more teams into a bowl. They would have, and then Rutgers wouldn't have been matched up versus Wake Forest. Correct. They would have been matched up versus a, a bad group team of five teams that you feel better at winning. Yeah. The the Big Ten could wind up with a better bowl record. So I think it even shines an uglier light on the SEC with that. But everybody in the country has got the same problem. It's a top of the SEC problem. It is. It, it's been Bama every year. Now, Nick Saban takes off the vacuum that he would leave. That's something to talk about in the offseason because it's been Bama and another team. You know, it's been either LSU, 
Georgia or I mean, it's pretty much been LSU and Georgia, LSU or Georgia. Yeah. LSU is way down right now. So right now it's a Nick Saban and Georgia thing. Yeah. I, I, but it's so like, but, but there's nuance in there that that doesn't mean the entire conference yeah. is LSU or uh, uh, Bama and Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you have to give them credit at the top. You have to. There's no doubt about it. I'm just tired of the other stuff. So, all right. Anything else? Nope. That's it, man. All right. That's sad. Like, it was halftime of the Rose Bowl. I'm like, oh, my God. There's no other Big Ten games left. Yeah. Uh, So we will go into the offseason after that. Um, The podcast recording will be sporadic. (laughs) Yeah. kind of how we do. The next podcast, I I think Dustin already agreed, we'll do the end of the year award show. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. So we'll do that one with Dustin. Look for that in the next week or two, whenever it fits out for the three of us to sit down and record. So we'll get that done. Um, And then we'll just, then right after that, we'll do the, uh, postseason recap for each team. Yep, and then we'll be then we'll have your recruiting podcast in there at some point. That's right. So we got some fun stuff going through January, February, and into March. So yeah, we should talk about the recruiting. I think it was a good format last year. Loved it. I think we should just double down on that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Let's anything. do that. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, no, sir. That's it. Okay. Uh, it's been a great 2021. We appreciate every single listener listening to this. The numbers. We're good again this year. Took off even more when we had a nice full season. We hope to build even more on that. So thank you, listeners, once again. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.